Hello and welcome to another episode of Life from the Feet Up. I'm Victor. And I'm Damon. And we are here for another great episode of Life from the Feet Up. Today we've got a special guest for you. Once again, we've got Dr. Libby Putnam. Say hello to everybody. Hi there. Oh, such a nice <laughs> smile she has. Today we have Dr. Putnam in today to talk about footwear, women's footwear. Through the seasons, apparently women wear terrible things on their feet. Contraptions of torture, apparently. I don't know why people do some of those things. Have you seen some of those heels that people wear? Uh, trust me, I have. Yeah. Uh, on a daily basis. A, yeah, it's it's rough out there, I guess. <laughs> I personally don't have any experience with the heels. Um, I mean, there was this one time when I was in college, but we won't <laughs> talk about that. But we're going to talk about different types of footwear that you can wear, should wear, shouldn't wear, and the stuff that you shouldn't wear, how you can get around wearing it and making it okay. Okay, not really okay. Ish. We're gonna go with okay ish. Okay ish. Survivable. How about that? That yep. Yeah, without injury. <laughs> all right, all right. That works. Without injury. So we'll talk about the different seasons and um yeah, so let's get things started with women's seasonal footwear. Let's say what is a good shoe? Let's start with good and then work on to the bad. How's okay. that sound? So Sounds good. Good stuff. <clears throat> so with women's shoes, um, actually, a lot of the female patients that I have, when I describe a good shoe, they say, okay, so a men's shoe. And that's kind of the, f the first stumbling block that I always hit when I'm trying to describe a good shoe to women. Um, really, the best, shoe, the best shoe that you can get, men's or women's, is going to be some kind of an, an athletic shoe, something that is supportive and has a good... Um, you know, a, a good sole on it. It's not paper thin. It's got a, a decent um, back on it. It's actually called the heel counter. It's sort of that hard piece that goes around the back of your heel leading up to your Achilles tendon. Um, all of that is going to stabilize your foot. Um, the problem is once you go into the women's section at, at you know, the shoe store, um, a lot of them don't have backs at all. Um, and, uh, and a lot of them are paper thin. So the, the really good ones that you want to, you know, the safer ones that you're, you're going to have a much higher percentage of, um, uh, you know, of success with is going to be some kind of an athletic shoe. So a sneaker, a tennis shoe, um, like a running shoe type sometimes. So that's, that's another thing. Not all athletic shoes are actually supportive enough. So uh, there's been a huge craze. Um, just in like the last couple of years, like minimalist shoe gear. And it's, it's, we talked about this last episode yeah. with the balance thing when we mm -hmm. started talking about different shoes and <coughs> apparently on uh, the Atlantic foot and ankle website, there's, what was that? The, how to test, how to determine what, what is what, a stable shoe. What's mm -hmm. a good shoe thing, but yeah, you can. Yep. Yep. No, that, that's, that's exactly. So, um, uh, yeah, you want to, you want to sort of put the shoe through its paces, podiatry pun intended. Um, but figure out whether it's going to be actually good for you or not. Um, and, uh, and a lot of the, a lot of the tennis shoes are fashion and not function. So they'll have all kinds of bells and whistles and reflective strips and bits and shock absorbing springs and stuff. And sometimes that's, it's just for show. It's just so that, you know, someone can slap a basketball player's name on <laughs> it and make um, it cool, but it, maybe it's not going to be the best shoe for you. So, um, yeah, athletic shoes or, or some kind of a sturdy, lace up L laces are great because you can uh, there's a lot of adjustment that you can do because everybody's foot is going to be a little bit different um so velcro not as hip um <laughs> so <laughs> i mean then you're getting into okay you've got a 96 year old lady who has really bad arthritis in her hands yeah put the woman in velcro <laughs> shoes like make it easier for her but yeah if you're if you're talking a 30 year old professional saying, woman I'm who can like function relatively well, then yes, um, laces are going to be good. <laughs> One of the things that I've noticed, and I'm sure you would agree with this is that, um, I noticed that shoe companies have figured out that stability really doesn't sell. So they try Wasn't to stay away like from most things. How well, what's you know, actually healthy for you doesn't sell like, correct. Correct. Lettuce so, is a much harder sell than a cookie. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? <laughs> right. So stability is usually bulky and not cute. You know, and with females, they fashion is very important to them. So they, they want to stay with something that, that's cute and is 
petite and you know small looking. It's, they don't want anything that's bulky looking. And speaking as a guy, I appreciate those things yeah. that are cute and petite because <laughs> of course. You know, you know. But that's that's one of the challenges that we run into in our profession is that you know it's it's kind of hard to with males. We I mean we don't care. Uh, we'll put on Speak a shoe. for yourself. I own way too many sneakers, man. <laughs> way too many. What? Yeah, and you're not the average male. Apparently. No, apparently I mean, not. It's, it's one of those things where uh, most of our shoes are, they're going to be depth shoes um, and mostly athletic style shoes. But even with our dressier type shoes, they're still depth. You know, we don't lose that depth. We still have pretty good stability. Uh, but when it comes to females and the variety of shoes that they can go into, stability is usually not one of them. So it's a... It's a pretty tough sale when it comes to females. Yep, yep. That's uh, that's one of the one of the really hard things is is when women come in and say, "I work in a professional environment and I need to look right. professional or I need to look dressy. Um, what kind of shoes should I wear?" And it's it's really difficult because if you um, if you define like if you describe a, a, a dressy men's shoe, it's going to be some usually some kind of leather or a suede or something mm-hmm. that looks like that. It's going to be flat. It's going to have a decent, you know, sole on it. And it's not like it's, you know, recently there have been a few that have gone a little bit pointier in the, in the toe with men's shoe. Things. But most of them have the, uh, the rounded toe box Correct. and, and, um, and a, a decent amount of real estate within the shoe that if you need to fit some kind of an orthotic in there, you can do that. And then describe a dressy women's shoe or a professional women's shoe. You're talking heels. You're talking strappy sandals. You're talking shoes with no backs on them. Uh, you know, none of those fit a, 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 an orthotic in there very well, um, or at all. Um, and it it gets a little frustrating when when sort of the definition of being appropriate in a professional environment means that we have to be uncomfortable or hurt ourselves it's like oh well let's just put corsets back on like <laughs> it's yeah. kind of it's, it kind of boggles my mind a little bit that um that it, this is like the one last fashion the one last piece of human fashion that can actually hurt us but that we're still willing to do like men complain about wearing neckties but you don't have to go to a chiropractor and get your neck adjusted after you've worn one so Fair it's enough. like it's it, so it's unfortunate but you know i do know I have a lot of female friends who definitely say it's pain and fashion before comfort, that they're willing to go these routes of pain and uncomfortableness. I can't even tell you how many times I've known people to kick off their shoes, like at a wedding. I think by the end of a wedding, you see all the women not wearing shoes. Barefoot, barefoot. Yeah, yeah actually, um, uh, at, uh, so at, at my wedding, I, I got married a few years ago, and um, um, out of my bridesmaids, I think... Uh, Five out of the six were fellow podiatrists, <laughs> and so um, rather than Did doing, did you all wear running shoes for the wedding? We were all mostly in flats, actually. Oh, yeah. um, but see, that was that was the other thing. So um, some of us did want to wear heels, but uh, you know, in in moderation. So for okay. pictures, and then take them off. But then, what are you going to wear for the rest of the the evening? So rather than having the women run around barefoot uh, at the at the reception. Um, we didn't do um, what are those things like the little Jordan almonds favors. We didn't do favors um, at every seat. We just had a huge. I went on eBay and I bought like a huge thing of flip flops, and then um, I got all my girls together and we took marker pens and put like you know Libby and Rob <laughs> twenty eleven <laughs> like all over it and and you know hearts and flowers and stuff like that and um, and uh, and put them in a huge basket on the side of the room next to a big poster that said. If you're going to kick your shoes off because you wore the wrong shoes, please take one of these. And we had them in all different sizes. And it was like, please don't go barefoot. You know, uh-huh. love your friendly neighborhood podiatrists. And, uh, and so by the end of the night, everyone on the dance floor was in one of these pairs of flip-flops because everybody had taken off their heels. And a whole bunch of the men had actually kicked off their, you know, shiny patent leather, whatever they had come in. And they were in the flip-flops, too. So it was, it was actually a really big hit. That's so there you go. There's an idea for all you people planning <laughs> weddings. Get a whole big bin of flip-flops on the side. But flip-flops, are they that much better? Um, that sparks another debate, yeah. That's what, so, uh, yeah, there's... Well, then um, let's go in that. We said about the good shoes. We talked a little bit about good shoes. Mm-hmm. And so if we're going into the seasons, since I was originally going to say let's start with winter, but since we started this, let's go in the summer, because summer's coming. Okay, yes, it is. Um, and uh, so 
flip-flops. Um, yes. Definitely, um, they're going to be easier on a lot of your foot because putting yourself in a high heel shoves your foot into a very strange position. You are putting a lot of pressure on the wrong part of your foot. Your your the bones in your heel directly under, you know, where your leg and your calf come down are really big. They're they're yeah. they're quite hefty and they can hold your weight. They're designed to do that. The front part of your foot, um, you know, the the thin spindly bones that come out and then attach to your toes, they don't hold weight very well. And so whenever we put ourselves in a heel, we're shoving our whole body weight forward onto onto those knuckles. And those knuckles aren't very aren't very good at that. So you you know, you get stress fractures or metatarsalgia and all of these fun things. Um, That's a big word. And uh, yeah, um, and, um, and and calluses and all kinds of other other issues. Um, but with a flip-flop, it's more like just being barefoot. So, you know, there are some people who have no foot issues at all, sort of, you know, there are some people that have 20-20 vision and don't have to wear glasses. There are some people that actually don't have foot trouble. Um, lucky, lucky people. Um, and, uh, and, and they can walk around barefoot and not have a problem. Putting a flip-flop on is basically just making sure that you don't step on a tack. But it's basically your yeah, foot yeah, is functioning yeah. as, as, if it, as if you were barefoot. Okay. So for people who have a, a good arch and have a normal gait cycle and things like that, being barefoot isn't horrible. I mean, physiologically, we're supposed to be able to stand with our feet, you know, as they are um, without injury. Um, so uh, flip-flops are going to be better than heels, but it's really more like going from a bad thing back to a neutral rather than it actually being any kind of a a good thing. And there are some, there actually a lot of um, companies are starting to come out with some really nice flip-flops that have actually some uh, built-in arch support. And um, I don't know, have you seen the Vionic ones that actually have an aroma Mm -hmm. pad built in? When I saw them, I was like fangirling in the the middle of Belk. I was like, you put an aroma pad in a shoe. It was great. This is me raising my hand. Teacher, please explain to me what the heck you just (laughs) said. (laughs) Um, so, uh, a neuroma is a sort of a pinched nerve in your foot. Okay. Um, sort of like, uh, you know, when you hit your funny bone really hard and you get those tingling sensations that go all the way down into your fourth and fifth fingers. I mean, it's like you really cream it on something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, you can sort of get the same thing where you pinch a nerve between two of the knuckles in the front part of your, in like the ball of your foot. And you can get those same kind of terrible tingling sensations or sharp pricking sensations out into two of your toes or more of your toes. Um, and so um, putting a certain kind of a pad in a certain spot um, under your foot can sort of spread your, your knuckles so that they're not bashing in against that nerve nearly so much. Um, and, uh, and so they have flip-flops that have this. And they have flip-flops with this built-in. Like it was way excited It was really cool. I have neuromas, so did, I was uh, like, oh, my God. <laughs> did, you, did you get them? Um, I didn't. I didn't. I was running through Belk at the time, and I just I stopped. Like it caught my eye. Like I literally, I was late to do something, but I was so excited by this that I like stopped and I like, looked at all the shoes on the little. But I didn't have time to try any on. I went back later and 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 tried them all on. But um, mm-hmm. and yeah, were they they're, lovely. They're great. They're really really great. I personally, uh, um, most of the Vionic ones that I tried on that that they had available that day um, were the like the were they thong the thong kind yeah. the, with the with the the flip-flop sort of thing between yeah, your toes. I like and I, I always, uh, I'm not a fan of them. There yeah, are some people that, that you know, live like in them that way. It's almost like an oxymoron with someone that has a neuroma. You add a neuroma pad to a thong. Yeah. A thong. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, mm. you really don't want a thong sandal for someone that has neuromas. But, but yeah. So um, I I, um, oh, I, I tried them on. I liked them. Um, and, and they were, you know, decently cute and fashionable and all that good stuff. But, um, yeah, it was the, the neuroma pad that like caught my eye. I was like, oh, this is so great. (laughs) All right. So that goes into the summer stuff, flip flops. What are some, do you you have any recommendations on something you can do since that's like a neutral and that's not good for everybody? How do they know if, how do I know if I'm neutral or if that's not good for me or if it is good for me? So, um, The majority of people know whether they can, well, yeah, the majority of people know whether they can function barefoot. You know, if when people come into my office and say, you know, I'm fine during the day, but if I take my shoes off and I try to walk around, uh, you know, into my garage, I can't go barefoot into my garage because I can't, I I can't walk on that floor barefoot. My feet hurt too much. 
Um, Number one indicator. Pain. Pain. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, so that's that's really you know if you're having trouble, mm-hmm. then then you probably need something. It's sort of again I keep going back to the glasses thing, but you know if you're having fuzzy vision, if you can't see the you know the street lights ahead of you or the the stop sign, then uh, maybe you need to get checked for glasses. <laughs> so it's you know yeah. when when things start not functioning at, at baseline anymore, that's when you that's when you have to sort of look to see if you need something else. So what alternatives, is that where I was? What alternatives do we have? For, do for f- people who need a little bit more, yeah. Or do women have? I mean, now they have these cool things that have pads in the front yep, of them. Yep. That's a lovely so thing. So there are, there are some um, flip-flops, and, and really I, I lump sandals into, into all of that. Any, yeah. any of the, the – um, so the, the bad ones, the ones you want to avoid, are the ones that have nothing to them. Um, if you if you have trouble walking barefoot, you don't want to just put a really thin piece of sort of cardboard on the bottom of your foot and some gladiator strappy. I won't call any specific brands out because I don't want to do that. But you basically the ones that you can get for a dollar a pair or the five dollars a pair type ones. There that are, like are foam. there are some that cost hundreds of dollars that are still built, built I like know. this. It's ridiculous. Really? Okay, I, ooh, I am so, so mad about that. Like, why didn't I think of that? I did <laughs> not realize someone would pay so much money mm-hmm. for something that has absolutely nothing to it. It's well it's it's a it's a brand name thing. So there's Let's there's stay away from brand names, the no, actual no, names. But no, yeah, 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 but it's it's you know, you're paying for the brand name. Yeah. So when when you get to those really high high end fashion things, mm-hmm. it's um you know, it's it's something that um, you know you're you're paying for the logo and and not the functionality of it. And that I, to a certain extent, that happens across all shoes, men's and women's shoes. I have this theory that like the closer you get to like this golden sort of range of like around eighty dollars is like the perfect kind of shoe. You know, and, and then, that leads me into this, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you get this as well. You know, you you get a patient that comes in that says, "I have really good shoes. I paid eighty dollars for these shoes," and the and what they the misconception is is more just because the shoe yeah. costs more than eighty dollars doesn't mean that it's necessarily a good shoe for your foot type. Right, right. Um, I I um I had this fight with my dad a couple Christmases ago, and he kept saying, you know, my feet hurt all the time. Libby fixed my feet, and I said, okay, let's go. You're you're in you're in terrible shoes. Let's go get. I'm gonna buy you your Christmas present. We're gonna go shoe shopping. I'm gonna get you pairs of shoes, and these are gonna be good shoes. So we went to like nice department stores and and I was picking up all of these ones oh try this one on try this one this one's really gonna be good for you like my foot type is a lot like his foot type and I'm like I know this brand works for me so it's gonna work for you Mm -hmm. and so um and he just kept going and picking up the same like boaters and loafers and tassels and shiny and I'm like that's not a good shoe and he's like but I like them I was like you just said that your feet hurt and he's like yeah I'm like and they hurt when you're wearing when you when you're wearing these shoes yeah Okay, then maybe we don't wear those shoes. <laughs> I'm like, I had to keep are you, taking are you them. Sensing the pattern. I had, here. Yeah, I had yeah. to keep taking shoes out of his hands and putting them back on the shelf. And um, and at one point he was like, "No, but these are Italian." And I was like, "Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> that's not. That's not. That doesn't mean that it's going to be good for your foot." And he's like, I, "I was unaware that Italians were really good at foot care. I was. I didn't catch that. My, yeah. So so and and then he's like, but you know." What about these ones? So he, he goes, he's like, all right, well, if the ones that I'm looking at aren't good enough, and he, he heads toward, like, the really nice branded shoes and starts picking, what about this one? This is this is $280. This must be the best shoe ever. No, Dad, that's actually worse. Put that down. Yeah. That's not, at that point, you're paying for, for uh, you know, a brand name, and you're not um, paying for actual quality functionality. Of leather, the so, quality of a stitch as opposed to the actual functionality sometimes it's not even the quality of the stitch sometimes you get those things home and they fall apart after two uses it's just hey i would be the most angry person in the world if i spent over 200 dollars on a pair of shoes wore them twice and they fell apart you'll be amazed oh my god i'm getting angry just thinking about the idea of a shoe thing about it is is for one as we all know the economy has been horrible here lately so not only i mean everyone is cutting corners including shoe companies so you'll you'll find now that um, let's let's take the last of the shoe, which is how the shoe is made. Uh, you know, and instead of them changing the last, which is what your foot actually stands on, if you want to go to a wide shoe and they have a medium last, instead of them spending the money to create another last, they just add more material to the upper, 
So the upper will fit the, sh- the foot, but then it's like you're walking on the tightrope because the last is too narrow for the foot. So it's one of those things where the economy has really uh, has really affected the way that certain shoe companies make their shoes. So it's one of those those battles of it's, it's some of the economies. Some people cutting corners, but you you can pay a lot of money for a shoe and and not be a good shoe. So for everybody out there who's listening, it's not co- or it's not the price that you pay for a shoe. It's definitely how it actually works for so, you. Yeah, it's, it's, so you've got to make sure function. you pay attention yes. to the function of it. All right. Yep. And that's yep. where education comes in at. You know, that's yeah. where learning mm-hmm. what foot mm-hmm. type you have and what shoe works for your foot type. Because the average person is going to walk into a shoe store, even for an athletic shoe, for a tennis type shoe, and not know that even though you're getting a certain brand shoe, that that brand has different type of lads for different foot types. The average person is not going to know that. Well, how do I find out what my, I mean, me individually as a person who just buys shoes and really likes shoes, and I have bought shoes for years before I met you. Now I haven't bought a shoe yet because I'm afraid you're going to yell at me. Um, <laughs> but you're I, so I, intimidating. I still own a ton of <laughs> shoes. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, but I have I bought shoes based on how they look and what, and I, or I'll slip it on real quick and it feels comfortable to me. But how do I know as, again, as Joe Schmo here, that what my foot type is and what shoe and what brand or whatever is going to fit me? Because I don't want to spend $80 on this shoe, wear it for a week, and be like, this sucks. I need to go spend – I don't have that kind of money to keep – I mean, I've accumulated shoes over years. If I want to go out right now and get two or three nice pairs of shoes that are going to work for me, I can't spend on two, three pairs and bring them home and in two weeks be like, these are miserable. Right. Like, how do I find out? Is it just a trial and error type thing, or is there a better way? Um, it's it's not a complete, you know, blindfolded dartboard. Yeah, kind that's of what shot. I kind of feel like. <laughs> it's, you know, it's not quite that. I mean, the situation is not that dire. I don't have you um, to go shopping with me yeah. like your dad did. I mean, um, and even then, he did not listen to me. Actually, no, he ended up with some really good shoes, and he's happy with them. But um, no, so what? That's what, what you think. He wears the boat shoes on the side. That's what it. No, well, see, I'm I'm smart. I go home. I look at the bottom of the shoes if they're worn. I know he's <laughs> been wearing them because so he actually he liked. We got him three pairs of shoes. He wore two of them, and then he was like, "No, I love all three. I'm like, "Really?" Because this doesn't have a speck of dirt on the bottom. These have not been You're out tough. of these box. You are tough. So, I'm 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 like podiatry Sherlock. I know. I can tell. <laughs> Um, no, uh, so as far as, as far as, um, uh, knowing what kind of foot type you have, there are certain, um, shoe stores that have very knowledgeable staff where you can go and they'll do, you know, they'll watch you walk. Um, some of them even have like, you know, full treadmills and things like that, w- a setup for you to get on and, and, and they'll look at, at you. Um, and they'll be able to tell you if you need extra stability or, or things like that, um, Obviously, you can always <laughs> come in and see me. You can always see your podiatrist. You can always um, come in and, and, and see a doctor. Um, and if but I wanted a lot to come in and see you, where would I go? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm at the Pooler um, Atlantic Foot and Ankle Specialists location and the Savannah location. So I split my time three days and two days um, every week. So Savannah and mm-hmm. Pooler, that's Georgia mm-hmm. for those of you who are maybe listening for the first time. Yep, yep. We are down in Georgia. Um, but um, – and then – Really, the the easiest way is to try everything on. A lot of so, and women are usually a little bit better about this than men. Men will walk in like with jeans. My husband will go in and he'll he won't even try them on. He'll pick it up and he'll look at it and he'll be like, "Yeah, this looks about right." <laughs> and he'll take that home. In fairness, when it comes <laughs> to jeans, speaking as a guy who does that, okay. when it comes to jeans, we have two measurements on there: the waist that's, that's and the true. length. That so is true. If it fits my waist and it fits my length, 90% of the time it's going to fit me. Ag- agreed, agreed. So we don't have size Would that women's seven pants or nine like and that. that does not mean <laughs> the same thing as what right. anything else does. Um, In fairness to you, I'm, I'm defending your husband there since he's not here to defend okay. himself. Well, it was an analogy. <laughs> there is, there's no such thing as a perfect analogy, but yes. Yeah, I got so, you. Um, <laughs> so as far as um, trying things on, there are a bazillion shoes out there. You're going to find something that feels good immediately. If you put the shoe on and it doesn't feel right, like on your foot immediately, you're not going to break that shoe in. That shoe's going to break you in. <laughs> so it's try something else. Just keep keep going down the whole the whole line of, of the 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 um, the wall of shoes wherever you are. Um, 
I went in the other day um, to get a new pair of athletic shoes and I walked in and humans are visual creatures. So I walk in and I scan the wall and I like pick out three and I'm like, I'm going to get one of those knowing full well that I'm, I am a, I'm a doctor. I am a podiatrist. I am going to buy the shoe that is going to be good for me. But that there's that little voice in my brain. That's like, eh, it's going to be one of those three. Cause they're cute. Mm-hmm. So I, I go in and I like, I try those three on first and I'm like, mm, like Goldilocks and the three bears, like immediately. Nope. There's too, too much, this too much, that too mm-hmm. little of whatever. So uh, all of those get put to the side immediately. This poor, this poor clerk, uh, she was so wonderful. She, she seriously helped me try on every single shoe on this entire wall. And I had, I had walked in, and just as I said, oh, I really like those three, I had seen two that were the most garish, loud highlighter colors. And I was like, mm, I'm not getting those. Those were go with nothing. That looks awful. Those are ugly shoes. Darned if that wasn't the one that fit my foot right. <laughs> so I did end up getting one of those. And it's, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so happy that I functioned so well in them that I've kind of gotten used to the fact that they practically glow in the dark. But um, it's, you, do, you do have to sometimes spend a little bit more time trying things on. And if nothing in that store fits you, bummer. There are other shoe stores. Like, continue looking. Um, and sometimes when you have a really tough foot type to fit, it's going to take you longer. Sometimes you just sort of have to commit to that. And when you find a shoe that works, maybe, you know, definitely write down the shoe, brand the shoe, size the shoe, you know, the specifications, and then maybe do some online research and find out what is similar um, that you might like. So this is something that you pretty much only need to do, like, in depth one time yeah. and then once you find yep. out where yep. you're, you're at figure you out you know get house. get like five brands that that work well on you and figure out what what size shoe you are because again people have been doing um just like with vanity sizing on on like women's clothes like you can be a double zero in some places and then you're like size 12 in some <laughs> other size or in some other store um same with shoes like depending on what brand I'm in, I wear anywhere from a seven and a half to a nine. So there's no way that I can just go in and say, hi, I'm an eight. Can I have this shoe um, in that size and know that that's going to fit me because the the last of the shoe, everybody has a different one. It used to be somewhat standardized and now it's just all over the map. Absolutely not. When did that happen? I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things where, I mean, depending on the make and the brand of the shoe, I mean, you may wear a a seven and a half in one shoe and a a nine in something else. Yeah, she just said that. Yeah. So it, it just <laughs> thanks for listening. <laughs> Repetition the drives the point if you home. Pick it up so you can listen to it. <laughs> you know what? I quit. <laughs> I would just listen to you guys talk. <laughs> Appreciate it, Vic. And no, but for, I I just can't believe how drastic of a difference that is. Like, yeah, you just how, said that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the podcast. Oh, somebody's angry. <laughs> I upset the beast. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just can't believe how drastic of a difference that is with the different shoes and the different. I mean, yeah, that doesn't make it very easy for consumers. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. But like you said, generally you only have to do it, you know, once in in a while. You know, once you once you get to know, um, you know, brand X when you put that shoe on. If you're going to try something in that brand, you know that you're going to be an eight. Like I have my certain brands that I know work well for my feet, and I know what size I am in those brands. So I'm going to be much more successful shopping, like shoe shopping online. Um, I I kind of joke that buying shoes online is sort of like that whole Forrest Gump box of chocolates thing. You never know what you're going to get. So um, you kind of have to know what your what your shoe size is going to be within a particular brand before you just sort of blindly buy something online. Um, and thankfully a lot of the shoe sites online have free return policies, but that's still, you know, an obnoxious thing to have to do. So if you can get a shoe and know that it's going to fit you when it arrives on your doorstep, it's better. Now, how big of a different, like, since again, going back to my collection of shoes, can I do something to make my shoe better? Like, is there a way, like, cause I say I, I'm stubborn. And I, I, I like shoes that go with my outfit. I right. have brown shoes that go with my brown outfits. Sure. I got red shoes that go with my red outfits. I got green shoes that go with my green. Okay, I'm not quite that bad. But um, there are <laughs> people out there that I know that are that bad. Yep. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, if you are, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm yeah. not quite that bad. I do have brown shoes to go with my brown outfits and black shoes to go with my black outfits. I don't have – do I have red? Uh, anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> what was that – Was 
Was that your manhood? <laughs> it might be. It might have been my manhood that just left. Um, but is there something I can do if I have like a really stylish shoe that I, I really dig and I really like? Is there something I can do to make it more tolerable so I can actually wear it? Yeah, so you can you can sort of beef things up a little bit with um, with inserts and things like that. Um, a l- unfortunately, a lot of them, and this again goes back to women's shoes in particular. A lot of them don't don't handle orthotics. There's just not enough real estate within the shoe. They're they're tiny. They're these the lasts are just itty bitty. You know, you've, it's a matter of centimeters across, like two inches, kind of across. You're not going to be able to fit something in there. Um, so that makes it a little bit more difficult for women. For men, it's it's simpler. You can get a a, a good over the counter orthotic or or a custom orthotic is even better. Um, and uh, and pop that in your shoes, and that'll sort of beef up something that maybe doesn't have arch support or is very thin across the bottom. It'll give you a little bit more shock absorption. But with women, there's just no there's no choice to do that, um, especially with the. I mean, there's no there's no high heel. Like I have I have some girls who come in and they're like, they're sh- they bring in a bag of shoes and they're all these five inch stilettos and they're like, my feet hurt all the time. Can you make me something so that I can wear these shoes? I'm like, nope. <laughs> I'm sorry. There is there is no orthotic in the world that is going to make that five inch stiletto heel comfortable for you. Actually, my my very favorite quote about shoes is from Joss Whedon, and uh, he had one of his his male characters look at a high school female character and shake his head and say. Honestly, I believe she would wear a pair of cats strapped to her feet if a fashion magazine told her to do so. <laughs> and it's, it's some, of, some of the shoes that are out there are really that ridiculous. And so you, you do kind of have to um, um, pick and choose when, when, you're, when you're a lady because um, you're, you're not going to be able to make those additions to your shoes like, like with guys putting, yeah. putting inserts in there. All right. So... Then the recommendation is if, if a woman really wants to wear a heel because they really need it is to have something else to wear, like a flip-flop then? Um, well. Like say, say yeah. my wife and I are going to a function, mm-hmm. uh, wedding, what have you, and she wants to wear a heel. My wife doesn't really wear a whole lot of heels. She refuses to wear anything that's like taller than two inches because okay. she enjoys not falling. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but for the, there are plenty of women out there, and I have right. some relatives and some family that – they love heels, mm-hmm. like, and I know girls who just like really big heels. What what should they bring? Flip flops everywhere they go, or is there something? Well, um, if if you do like those really 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 tall heels, there's very few ways to really make that a good choice long term. Um, I generally refer to those kind of shoes as your dessert shoes. So if <laughs> if you eat chocolate cake all day long you're going to be 500 pounds and have a whole bunch of health problems. Um, if you eat healthy all day long, then you can have a piece of chocolate cake for dessert and you're not going to like throw your diet out the window. Um, if you wear good athletic shoes, good supportive shoes, shoes that do not hurt your feet, whatever kind of shoes those are throughout your week, you know, if you're not trying to function eight hours a day in a, in your, your work setting in high heels, your feet are rested. You don't have like built up tendonitis from those five days of trying to balance. Um, so when you get to Saturday and Sunday and you want to go to a wedding or out on a date or to church or whatever you're going to do in your dressier high heeled shoes, um, your feet aren't already tired. So they're going to, they're going to, you're going to get more mileage (laughs) out of them on the weekends if you've been good to them during the week. So think of the high-heeled shoes as your dessert shoes. So everything in moderation. It's like the top of that little food pyramid are your, <laughs> are your high-heeled shoes. <laughs> and then, like, the next, the next one down is your flip-flops, and then the nice big base at the bottom are your, all your athletic shoes. All your athletic, supportive shoes. Five servings a day, people. I, be- <laughs> I believe in the uh, last episode we had talked about that the month. Didn't you have, like, your two-hour rule or something? Yes, that's, that's, that's one of those things. Um I usually say use the two-hour rule, which is basically what she's saying is that do it in moderation. You know, usually two hours will cover um, events, church, uh, you know, weddings or what have you, where you're going to be on your feet. Uh, But she made a very good point. If you're good to your feet during the week, your feet will be able to stand up to this 
uh, over the weekend. But if they're already tired before you get there, you know, it's, it's not going to happen. You know, you're going to have pain before you get through the end of most of the events that you have to wear these type of shoes for. Fair enough, fair enough. And so some of these events, uh, we talked about this right before. You're a big fan of Comic-Con. Yes, I am. I am a big nerd. <laughs> I mean, totally unashamed to admit it. it. It's the age of the nerd now, isn't it? it I mean, totally with techie is. and all that stuff, yep. all the tech going on. Yep. I mean, the geek shall inherit the earth. Yeah. <laughs> My question is, when did, when did Comic Con become nerdy? Is, I, I, is I that considered nerdy? It's kind of gotten a stigma to it. I mean, it it it, it always it always has been. Actually, Comic Con is kind of interesting because for a while there, like in the in the nineteen seventies, I think when it started, it had like you know, 400 people that showed up and it was just kind of like a group of people who were there to trade comics. And, um, and it has just grown and grown and grown. And just recently, like in the last seven, eight, ten years, something like that, pretty much since, um, since Harry Potter and Twilight hit and they came to Comic-Con, suddenly it then got on everybody's radar and everybody wanted to go because they wanted to run into, you know, the cast of The Walking Dead or w- whatever it is. Um, wait, 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 wait. The cast of The Walking Dead goes to Comic-Con? <sighs> no. Oh, <laughs> yes. man. <laughs> and so there, there are. There are big stars that, that go there. And so you have sort of the um, – we lovingly refer to them as tourists who show up and just want to see – Was that your way of not trying to get me not what? to go? Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> they just – they want to see the, the – um, the Hollywood actors and things like that. So um, International Comic Con is the big one. It's, you know, 130,000 people descend on the San Diego Convention Center for four days. And it's massive. It's huge. Um, Is that the one they talk about in Big Bang Theory all the time? Yes. All right. Yes. Um, So um, it's it's wonderful. It's great. Um, But it's... The, the the true geeks that, that go there and want to, you know, talk about each other's costumes and things like that are, are not necessarily the people who are there to see, you know, the sparkly vampires and the, those actors and stuff yeah, like right. that. I don't care so about sparkly vampires. However, so zombie killers, that's kind of Zombie cool. killers, are, yep, okay. Yeah, that's cool. We are in Georgia. Uh, yeah, see, see? It's necessary. <laughs> um, you never know. Yep. You never know. <laughs> it's, it's research. That's what that is. It's yep. research. Um, no, but, uh, yeah, my, my friends and I go, um, we go every year and, um, um, we, they estimate that, you know, maybe like 10% of the people go in costume, which when you're talking about 130,000 people, that's still 13,000 people who are, did I do my math right? I'm pretty sure I did my math right. So there won't be a test later. There's, okay, good. There's, there's thousands of people still there in costume. And so we're one of those thousand were eight of those thousands of people um and um like eight individuals not eight thousand just no no yeah so actually we're we've been my my little nerd group has been growing so actually i think we're more like 12 or 13 at this point but um um we're mostly women um a name for your group that would be fun um sort of oh they're gonna i'm gonna have to link them to this podcast because they're gonna get like really they're gonna get a kick out of the fact that i'm sharing nerd chat with everybody so we have a we have a chat group Mm -hmm. and we like just nicknamed it nerd chat because there were other chats that were not nerdy and ours was the nerd chat and so we just started calling ourselves nerd chat so it's it's a a boring name frankly but that's who we are we need creative. to sexy that yeah. up a little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. We'll we're, we'll work on it. All right. All right. Um, I'll next pose time, it. I'll pose it. Next time you're on, I want a better name. Okay. All right, all right. I'll, we'll come up with something better. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so my my nerd group goes there um, every year, and we wear costumes, and it's a lot of walking. Like some of us wore Fitbits last year, mm-hmm. and we were doing like ten miles a day. Like it was a lot of walking. Um, because, you know, 130,000 people don't fit in the San Diego Convention Center, so we kind of spill out into, like, the blocks around yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in San Diego, and, and um, we sort of take over the gas lamp district. And um, and so you got to wear good shoes to That's this thing, or you're, or you're just going <laughs> to – it's not going to go well. It's kind of what I was bringing that up, is how do you get through a function like that? Yeah, yeah. So 10 miles, and, and then when you're not walking somewhere, you are standing in a line generally on concrete. So there's, there's a, a lot of stress that's put on your feet in, mm-hmm. in those days. So, um, you know, the 
title of the the podcast is you know life, life from the feet, feet up, up. Uh, my costumes are costuming from the feet up i yeah. always i always start with my shoes it's like okay I'm going to be Ultron this year. Let's find the best pair of silver flats that I like <laughs> silver flat boots with some arch support that I possibly can, or at least silver boots that will fit my orthotics that Damon <laughs> made me. Um, last year, I totally thought that they were already in my boots. I packed my boots. I got there. I did not have my orthotics with me. So I came back limping and no one ever wants to see a podiatrist with a limp. That's like a, that's like a hairdresser with a bad haircut. Like that's just, you're not, no one's going to trust a podiatrist with a limp. So I was like, this can never happen again. Um, so this year I'm like the very first thing that goes into my uh, suitcase is going to be my orthotics, but, um, it's good to plan ahead. Yep. It's good to plan ahead. Yep. So I always, I always make sure that, that whatever costume I'm in has a sensible set of shoes that goes with it because um, otherwise you can just be miserable at one of those events. Well, that's fun. That's fun. Now we got a little off topic and yeah. we're running out of time okay. here. So let's quick go back into winter. We never actually winter. got to winter. We mm -hmm. talked about what good shoes are. Mm -hmm. um, so real quickly though, what are some things to kind of stay away from in winter time and some things you should kind of lean towards in winter time? So um, I, I, was just talking about putting my orthotics into boots. Yes. So um, a lot of the time you can, you can you can get orthotics into a women's set of boots. Um, like dressy type boots. So I, again, anytime we go toward that dressy thing, we get into the so problem of there is no dressy shoe for women that can really accommodate it, and it's that's just sort of a problem with the overall state of women's fashion. <laughs> and so if there's um, any manufacturers out there who want to get you know on that case. Uh, Talk to Dr. Putnam and she'll we, be. We just we have to get like all of the home. runways in Europe to stop <laughs> <laughs> to stop with those really that high heels. That might be heels. a little more difficult. That's, that it's going to take time. Yeah. I mean, it took how long for Edwardian dress to to die out? It may be it may be decades until we get rid of high heels. But um, um, really, what we're what we're looking for is um, you know, thankfully, right now some flat boots are actually very cool, like those riding boots and things like that that everybody's yeah. wearing. So. Um, those a lot of the time can fit an orthotic in there. Now the orthotic is going to take up some room in your shoe. So make sure you always take them with you when you go shoe shopping. Cause a lot of the time you'll put a shoe on, it'll fit you and that's fine. But once you take up a quarter of an inch or, you know, whatever real estate your, your orthotic takes up, suddenly there's no room for your foot anymore. And then you're going to end up with blisters and you're going to either blame the shoe or the orthotic and, and then go back when to it's only your yeah. own fault. Typically, it's the orthotic and the person that made them. So <laughs> you get blamed a lot for that. Oh yes. Yeah, you really have you have angry customers will come back and you're like, really? well, obviously, I mean, if I mean they come in and they like they have these foot problems and then you know we make orthotics for them and for whatever reason, you know they could they, now they develop other problems because of the orthotics. Yeah, they're pretty upset with me. Even uh, though it's not, but it's it's, it's for thing. it's for the reason that so many of these things happen is is what she was just describing is that you know is the combination is not working. It's not not necessarily the orthotic; it's the combination of the orthotic and the shoe that they're trying to wear it in. So um, you you can get orthotics in some women's shoes. Um, a lot of um, the problem comes when women come in and again they they need some support in their shoes, but they come in in. Um, staying away from brand names, very flexible sheepskin type of boots um, that have a very... I know, the, I know those boots. You know, they're kind <laughs> of, the, you know, everybody's familiar with the look of them. Um, so you're going to get, you're going to end up with with basically a, a flat, a flat sole with no support. Um, and the, the sheepskin lined ones, once you walk on them, once you put your body weight on them for a couple days, the sheepskin, like, collapses to nothing it just you you wear it down very fast so suddenly the shoe is a little bit too big for you um, whereas you thought that it was maybe even a little too tight when you tried it on in the store and that the upper of the shoe the cloth covering part um, that uh, that goes over the top of your foot and and up your ankle however far it is in in a boot um, is it has no support to it. It's, it's just fabric. So you're not getting any of that rear foot support, like that heel cup that I was talking about that goes, you know, just under your Achilles, kind of around the back of your heel. Um, and you're not getting any arch support because you've worn all of that internal sheepskin down. So now you're basically back into a flip-flop that comes all the way up your ankle. And so, it's warm. And it's warm, and it's warm, and sometimes it's even waterproof, but you're still not getting the 
the um, arch support that you're looking for. So there are, you know, that's the point where if you've got that pair of boots, you stick a you stick an orthotic in there, and that gives you a little bit of extra oomph to them, um, but you know won't be again nearly as good as some kind of an athletic shoe. You know, one of the things that I like to say, especially when it comes to orthotics, is orthotics are only as good as the shoes that you wear them in. Yep. I mean, if your I shoes agree. have a really bad alignment, the orthotics are going to try and follow that alignment, which naturally your foot is going to follow uh, the alignment the orthotic is following. So. Although or doubling up uh, exactly <laughs> that's that's never a good idea. Once you put arch support on top of arch support, you start rocking, and yeah. the motion of the ocean is not a good thing. Wait, no, no. <laughs> on top of an orthotic. On yeah, top I mean, of if you if you seriously, if you we have people that will put in like a one type of over the counter insert on top of another type of the over the counter insert, and what they're usually going for is more cushion, uh, but. In reality, that they're, they're doing more damage because of it, it creates more of an instability because now you're creating that rocking motion. And you're taking up more room, so you can end up with more blisters because right. suddenly your shoe right. is too tight. So, note to self, do not, I would not have even thought to actually do that. Oh, trust me, you wouldn't do it. I won't allow you to do it. Yeah. <laughs> see, he yells at me. Do you see? Do you see this? <laughs> it's for your own good. It yep. is for my own good. <laughs> Well, that seems to be all the time that we have. Dr. Putnam, thank you so much for coming by. My pleasure. Um, I realized that I'm a terrible host and never actually had you tell us a little bit about yourself. So uh, if you want to share, this is Dr. Putnam, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, we, we covered my nerdiness pretty well, We did cover actually. the Comic-Con so, thing, so that's um, pretty cool. Yep. Uh, other than that, sort of my, my background, um, people always ask me where I'm from because I don't have a typical Georgia accent. Um, I'm actually, I was born in San Francisco and that's where I spent the majority of my life, but okay. never all in the same, not consecutive years. So um, I was born there, but my dad worked for an international company. So we moved around a lot. Like every three, four years we were in a different spot, um, like we were in the military. But um, um, so I've spent time in... Chicago and Indiana and New Mexico and Hawaii and Australia and all kinds of different places. So, um, favorite I, spot? Oh, um, it would be. It depends. Uh, you know, f- as far as weather, obviously you just can't beat Hawaii. But then yeah. you lose the seasons and you get very bored wearing tank tops and shorts. And every once in a while, yeah, like, it must be terrible. It's, it can, I mean, it can get a little monotonous when you yeah. wake up every single day and it's like you don't even have to check the weather because you know exactly what the weather is going to be like that day. I mean, granted, it is. It's lovely. It's paradise, but it's also very expensive paradise. Yeah, I've heard that. And, um, and it's, you know, I was there when I was in 10th grade, so nothing is going to make geometry any better. So, like, you're <laughs> sitting there and someone's trying to tell you about, like, I feel like that would make it worse. Functions or whatever, and you're looking out, and it's like palm trees, and you're like, I cannot concentrate right now. That's what I mean. Like, that's got (laughs) to make it worse. When I was in high school, you know, we went to school when it was wintertime. I was like, I don't want to go outside. It's gross out. Mm -hmm. Not that I paid attention in school anyway, but, you know, (laughs) that's got to make it worse. Yep. Yeah, so uh, Hawaii was was definitely um, definitely one of my favorites. But uh, yeah, I, everywhere it's a little bit different, and I I love I love learning and I love culture and I love traveling. So everywhere that I go, I'm like, great, I get to learn about like what makes you guys different. So I heard you're a pretty good artist too. Actually, I saw one of the pieces that you did when I was in Damon's office. Oh, okay. In the, in the lab. <laughs> in the lab. I'm sorry. Super proud of that piece. Yeah, okay. It's one of those things where I wish that. There was a visual for the podcast. Yeah, it's, it's it, really an, an, a quick story about this this okay. piece that she did for me. And for your listeners out there that doesn't know, I'm, I'm, I'm a real big pool player, which you will find out or you probably have already heard in uh, our earlier podcast. I think we, in our intro uh, we talked about it a little bit, but you'll hear a lot about us talking about it. When pool. we opened up my orthotic lab, um, I wanted some type of pool-type artwork uh, in the lab. So uh, myself and the practice administrator got online and we started looking for these type, some some type of pool type art. And I found this, it was like a, a panel mm-hmm. type art. Yeah, why don't we describe what, what it is? Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a rack of pool balls. And we found this online and I mean, it was super expensive uh, t- uh, to purchase. Uh, so uh, Luke was, Luke said, let's, let's talk to Dr. Putnam about it. She's, a, a really good artist and I'm sure she can come up with this if we get her the material that she needs. 
So he he went to her and asked her to do it, and she put together this piece, and it is absolutely amazing. It's stunning. It is. Every amazing. time I go into the lab, I look at this piece, and it's like, you know, it's it, it, it's amazing. I, I I don't know how else to describe it, but it's it's absolutely Thank amazing. You. So nobody can tell that I'm totally blushing right now. <laughs> it's, I love it, and it's it's all over my my. <laughs> I, I put it on my Facebook page and. Uh, I always show it to people whenever they come. So to the it's a it's a panel piece, right? Cool. That, yeah, yeah. Rather than being on one big canvas, it's like six. Is it six, five smaller canvases? No, I think it's like six. It's something yeah. like that. Um, and so it's um, um, but it's all one. It's all one image. It's just sort of split broken up, up and uh, broken up onto those panels. Yeah, so my 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 confession is actually that I'm a really wonderful forger, but I don't do a lot of my own like original stuff. Okay. So if you like when you hey, came to me and said, time. I want something that looks like this, I'm like, I can totally do that for you. I can I can copy that. Um, and I, you know, I can work from photographs and things like that, but I can't just sort of go out and I, I, both of my grandmothers are wonderful artists and I sort of skipped a generation, but I, I can't do what they do. Like they could go out and they could just sit there and like paint a watercolor of, of whatever they were looking at. I cannot do that. I have to, I have to have something that I'm actually sort of copying or, or a source material, but, um, I love painting. It's sort of, you know, I I use the other half of my brain, you know, medicine can sometimes be can sometimes be relatively linear. Um, and so I, I like going home and sort of being being different. That's awesome. Very mm-hmm. cool. Well, Dr. Putnam, once again, thank you very much for joining us here. My uh, pleasure. And if you have any questions on anything that we talked about, you can email us once again. Demond, the email is? www. That's a website. We want the email. Email is life from the feet up. <laughs> at gmail.com. I know, I keep putting you on the spot. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, I'm I sorry. Prepared. I was not prepared. No, you weren't. <laughs> you should have saw the look you got. <laughs> Life from the feet up at gmail.com. That is our email address. You can shoot us an email anytime. Any questions, uh, any comments, anything. And if we might even answer them on the podcast. Also, you can check out the website. What's the website that uh, all you guys are found on? www.atlanticfeet.com There we go. You're ready for that one. So. <laughs> well, I know that one. All right, all right. Again, Dr. Putnam, thank you so much. And uh, this was Life from the Feet Up. I'm Victor. And I'm Devon. <laughs> we'll catch you next time. Life from the Feet Up is brought to you by Atlantic Foot and Ankle Specialists. Check them out on the web at www.atlanticfeet.com. <laughs>